I can't help but dance when it comes on. I can't help but feel like right now I've been called into the office for a homework assignment. Oh, because I made you come here to talk about our reading? Our reading. And I had to do the reading. You did have to do the reading. I texted it to you <laughs> last night. So it feels like a book report. So let's back up a second. <laughs> In case you missed it on the episode that posted this last Wednesday morning, one of the sort of series we're going to be doing on the podcast this summer is a quote-unquote summer reading list, which is not as structured as what your child might have brought home, but more like, what have you read this week? What are you reading right now? Is it an article? Is it a book? Like, What are you up to? And then to sit down and talk about it together, which if it's a book that one of us is reading and not the other, then it's a little bit like a book report and then a discussion. But for this one, I'm kicking us off with an article that I read this week and then sent to you to read as well. From the New York Times. From the New York Times. And the article was, this kind of walk is much more than a workout. Incorporating awe into your daily stroll can bring mental and physical benefits. Here's how to get started. And this is by Jan C. Dunn. So. And we will post the link in the, the show notes. But I liked it. It reminds me, it's very Susan Prinz. Yeah. Of her mindfulness practices and meditations while walking with her neighborhood walking group, particularly during COVID. But I, I was drawn to it. I, I've had sort of a fitness plateau slash fitness sort of urgency in my life lately because Noah got it hurt. And for those of you who don't know, my son's a cyclist and got hurt. And so he's been doing rehab, which means I've been going to the gym with him. And it's, it's made my, my gym time and my, my exercise time much more structured because his, his course of, of, of rehab of lifting is, is much more structured. And so I've been thinking a lot about fitness over 40 and, and fitness into my fifties. And, and what do I need to do to, to incorporate sort of not only exercise, but also lifelong joy of exercise. I don't want to be the person who's going to the gym, but angry about it or going for like, that's a, that's a hard thing to sustain. That's right. It's not sustainable for the person who's going for a hike. Who's like, I hate nature. I'm like, it's going to be tough. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> You're going to have a bad time. But uh, I, right. That's true of faith too. Mm -hmm. And the, the walk and the exercise of faith. Mm -hmm. Like if you're focusing on how fearful God is or how sort of terrible you are in the face of God, you're going to have a bad time and you're maybe going to miss seeing the things that are there to marvel at in God. Mm -hmm. the, the beauty of holiness and, and the practice of mindfulness of mindfulness and mindful walking, I think is, is important just for, I mean, it, take all spiritual benefits aside, just for the importance of each of us in our daily lives needs sometimes a moment to clear our heads. Mm -hmm. And the way you clear your head is by focusing on something other than yourself, which is a really novel idea, <laughs> but, well, but it's hard. It's hard it's to do. It's so hard. I liked that the, the author shared the story of their kid who had mm. become very anxious and fearful. And so they made it a habit 
to go for a walk together and go to this particular cedar tree and sort of feel the bark and marvel at it and marvel at the little ants that were crawling up and the way its branches have twisted and curved and how the grass grows up to the trunk and and all of these things and that ended up over time not just helping the child kind of work through their sense of fear and anxiety but it literally grounded them and connected them there's so much it like it's so easy to become sort of untethered and only floating around in your own head and that's true whether you're like actually out in the world physically doing something but you can still be sort of in that headspace and so part of this what this article is saying is like go for a walk and like find awe in things is to sort of reconnect with nature it, it says but i took it further in my own brain of like you're reconnecting with god you're reconnecting with the divine and the create and creation all around you and putting yourself in context of that yeah yeah and I, going on the article again the idea that sometimes and I, and I know i get into my ruts with my running or my walking or my workouts when i'm always going to the same same place over and over again and so the author suggested you know the first couple of times trying it out maybe drive someplace new so that you're not looking at oh so and so got a new car or you know going to going someplace new where you can uh, see nature again for the first time and so even if that means driving a little bit and I, one thing that I think Columbia really has that's, that is an underutilized resource right here in our community is the Riverwalk. Mm. Uh, go marvel at the turtles on the rocks. They're hysterical. I love them. I, I love the turtles. But that, that's a way underused resource right here in our city that's not a very far drive for any of us. The way the water ripples and the way the sun shows you how that ripples. Mm-hmm. And And... And marveling at it at different times of day, you'll see different things. And so a, a morning run and seeing the, the sunlight on the, on the water versus an evening run when you see all the, the turtles out sunning themselves on the logs and on the rocks. It's mm-hmm. just, it, it's a neat opportunity, a, a neat resource that's right here in our, our city. So driving, maybe driving outside of your neighborhood and going for a walk somewhere else. At St. Martin's, we just put in planters, and there's a, there's a bunch of people for their garden clubs who've been driving by St. Martin's and then walking around the campus and taking pictures of all of our flowers. I think Tom has a secret fan club. I think he does, too. Tom is the person who does our plants here. But yeah, it is marvel at that. At, go somewhere different where you can marvel and get in the habit of, of marveling at something, and then you can start applying that to your own, your own surroundings. Um, the article talks a bit about this too of if you are in a familiar place or if you find yourself in let's say like a dense cityscape and so getting away is maybe not quite the quick weekend activity or or whatever it might be that that it reminds me of that first Tuesday after the planters were planted and we rolled up to the office for the first time and a familiar 15 steps from our cars down to the office doors suddenly like made us pause and go oh wow and i find myself still doing that as the flowers have continued to bloom and new things have come up and you know as the 
the planters are kind of going through their season. And so to to take whatever is familiar, but then almost unfocus your eyes and look at the bigger picture of it or sort of like break out of the feeling of familiarity and stop, like pause, notice, give thanks to God. Yeah, the walk into work feels brighter now, doesn't it? It does. It's lovely. It's good. I, I, I vividly remember in college during one of the final seasons, I had just finished some final and was walking back to my dorm. And I think it would it would have been autumn. And William & Mary, you know, Southern Virginia had all of these big, beautiful like oak trees and elm trees and everything else. And they had all turned bright orange and like mm. just this like canopy of trees with this like soft light filtering through onto these brick paths. It was very idyllic and I hadn't noticed. And then walking back from the test, I suddenly sort of saw the full picture of it and was like, oh, this is the postcard. You know, but like we we miss seeing the postcard moments. Like you see the big crowd of bustling people, but do you stop and pull back and go, like, what a what a marvel to watch all of these people bustling around in all of these different places. And I wonder what they're doing and I wonder what they're thinking. And isn't it so amazing that wow, we're all so different and like bustling around or what, you know, just to, I don't know. I I liked, I liked the sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was, it reminded me of what I was trying to do with my Trinity Sunday sermon. And I don't think I quite hit the well, I, thought your, I thought your Trinity Sunday sermon was good. I did. I liked it. You know, for, for me, I think that, that there are certain things that mark a time of year and learning to pay attention to them. Summer times, I love going for a run in the evening and smelling Kingsford charcoal being lit in my neighbor's backyard. And, you know, giving thanks to this time of year where families go out and grill and barbecue together, marveling at the smell of freshly cut grass. Mm-hmm. Lydia, my daughter, is a runner and she's got to do her workouts early morning. And I just, I, I can't, I can walk early morning, but I can't run or jog. And so I can drive her there and I can watch the practice and I can walk a little bit, but. I just, my heart rate, I don't know. I just don't do early mornings as well anymore. Maybe I'm just getting old or maybe I'm rebelling from college in two-a-days. But the smell of the grass and the sound of the sprinklers. Oh, yeah. And then the sound of Lydia's foot strikes on the track when she's by herself in the morning. And giving thanks to God for this beautiful human who happens to be my daughter and 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 marveling at that and then marveling at the, the privilege beauty. to love her yeah the privilege that we all get to love our families it's a privilege mm-hmm. it's a gift and then the yeah the sound of the sprinklers just that chick, 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 as they you know water the fields that feeling of that like morning humidity especially <laughs> when the grass is being watered yeah, and so, and, and I think that's part of the mindfulness walking too. Is we can see beauty, but we also, I think, there's certain sounds and smells that are ingrained in all of us that that bring relaxation, and and when we're mindful of them, can change 
change our mindset into a healthier place. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of our families that go to the beach, the smell of salt water. You know you're at the beach before you see the water. The, uh, and, and you can feel, like as soon as that smell hits, your blood pressure goes down all it, of a sudden and you can physically feel it. Yeah. yeah. It, like this was just a nice reminder for me of prayer not just being something that exists in my head. Body prayer is important. The, yeah. the physicality of being made in the image of God mm-hmm. and not just being the soul that is in a spacesuit, so to speak. Because I don't, that's not true. Catherine Jeffers Shorey is, she's, was a wonderful presiding bishop. She is very different than Michael Curry. And I think the pendulum swung to a, a different extreme with Michael than it was with Catherine. But Catherine, I think, being a scientist and a biologist, brought a unique and interesting perspective to, to her work. And she talked about the theology of body prayer and I had the privilege of going on some jogs with her and, and, and just listening to her as she sort of talked about body prayer and breathing with her body. And, and that was, I think this article tapped into what she was talking about, just an awareness of your surroundings, an awareness of your heart rate, an awareness that every time we take a breath, that is intentional, we are participating in the Ruach of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuck with me and her, her deep commitment to her prayer life. But her prayer life was very physical. It was, it was walking. It was running. It was yoga. It was doing these things that helped her ground herself. And I really appreciate that about her particularly in a job where she had to travel like she did. Yeah. Um, her commitment to that was was really inspiring. That's hard to maintain. It is. Unless, I don't travel and I don't maintain it <laughs> right now. And so and I think that that's what this article taps into is that our health for the sake of health or for the sake of superficial things. I lift because I want to look good. I'm dieting because I want to lose a few extra pounds to fit into XYZ. I'm jogging to lose weight or I'm cutting carbs so that I can lose weight and drink more wine and eat more cheese or yeah. Like that the idea of doing something for some external thing is not sustainable for any of us. No, Even the that, best. that's never given me the drive to keep with. I mean, the most fit that I have ever been was when I was climbing all the time. And I wasn't climbing because I wanted to be fit. I was climbing because I absolutely loved it. And, and climbing became like a prayer to me. I mean, my favorite psalm is Psalm 31. And the third or fourth verse is... Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe, for you are my crag and my stronghold. And that became my mantra when I was climbing. And it made me think about my journey of faith and and let my heart work through that part of my relationship with God. And so I was very strong at that point in my life. I was scrawny, but I was I was kind of jacked. But anytime that I've, you know, like 
tried to run or tried to get on an elliptical or something and it's because I'm trying to fit into a pair of pants. Like, I've never kept it up. Not sustainable. But and I actually just end up going into a shame spiral and kind of hating myself. And that's, and that's not... What, yeah, uh, that's no. not honoring of what God has blessed me with. When you bring up an interesting one, climbing is a, a unique thing because climbing is not an individual sport. Like, yeah, you, you got to have, have your, somebody. You have your, your belay, you have your people. And then, but it's also a mix between sport of cooperation and intense focus. And with moments of laughter and fun or cussing when you fall off a wall or whatever. But yeah, but the intense focus with, with moments of levity and camaraderie, which is a unique thing. But I think that that speaks to, you know, obviously walking and mindfulness walking is not going to be the same intensity, but the importance of, of, of somebody to share those mindfulness moments with. Yeah. The importance of going for a walk with somebody else and being like, did you see that? Did you smell that? Did you hear that? And having those conversations of, of intentionality uh, and being intentional about them, bringing them back into your spiritual life, I think it's a good practice for the summer. Absolutely. And there's there's something humbling about it. And that was always the thing that that got me with rock climbing is for however strong I thought I was at any point or however skilled I thought I was and thought I could figure out the puzzle, there would just be days or cliff faces or something that just would completely humble you. And even if you had a good climb and you topped out and cleaned the anchors and came back down, like there was still just a humbling nature to sort of the how how small you are in relation to the thing that you have just encountered. And I think, you know, this article talks specifically about walking or sort of setting yourself in a place where you might observe, but to find the humility in the awe of it. Mm -hmm. The people I know who do the kind of like microbiology where they're looking at something really, really small, right? That's still a humbling thing. Mm. Thinking about how detailed and important all of those little cells are and all of the pieces of those cells. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Frank in church. Yeah. Frank is our astrophysicist. Who studies... 90 years old. Studies nothing. Like he studies the absence of matter. Like yeah. quite literally studies zero. What are... Yeah. And, and how that Which brings is, him to faith. And is so in line with like the medieval theologians who for all of their writing and all of their thinking, they all ended on the same note that there is a nothingness to God. Mm. There is a darkness of God for which we cannot see, we cannot perceive, and we do not have language to talk about. And they all kind of came up onto the edge of that sort of abyss in talking about God. And the only answer at that point is to not say anything else, but just to sit in awe. Yeah. Sit in awe of your neighborhood, of everything around you. Sit in awe of quiet. And I think that every time you encounter that awe in prayer and in your body, you are sort of building the muscle, so to speak, so that 
in other times when you sit to pray, you have a deep well to draw from because you've dug the well deeper. Which I think is why we admire Susan Prince so much. Her well <laughs> runs very deep. Her well runs deep. So, well, this was a, a good article. Your this turn next a good time. One. Okay, I'll pick the next one. We'll do something. Well, leave in the comments what you all want us to, themes that you want us to explore. We'll pick an article based on something somebody says. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Thank you all. Awesome. This is a podcast of St. Martin's in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. Pay us a visit here on campus, come worship with us on Sundays, or visit us online at smifsc.com. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast channels, and leave a comment. Let us know if you like this episode, if you like this format. We want to hear from you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) 